You are listening to the Hemp Startup Journey. My name is Jason De Los Santos, co-founder of Spectrum Labs, a hemp extraction facility in Asheville, North Carolina. I'm sitting down with hemp entrepreneurs, scientists, and politicians willing to share their perspectives, lessons learned, and how we can make an impact on the hemp and cannabis industry for everyone. My guest today is Chase Nobles. Chase is co-founder and co-CEO of Kush.com, a wholesale cannabis and hemp marketplace. Chase has worked in the cannabis industry since 2014, evolving the Kush brand from its origins as a tourism and media company into the largest marketplace platform serving the cannabis and hemp industries. For Chase's extended bio and links discussed in the podcast, please look for the show notes on our blog at www.thespectrumlabs.com. And now, please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Chase Nobles. Fantastic. All right. So, uh, Chase, can you still hear me? Oh, yep. Got you here. Okay, great. Fantastic. Awesome, Chase. So, uh, thank you so much for joining us on the Hemp Startup Journey. Um, we, uh, I was really excited to talk to you, uh, what was it, I guess, last week or the week before when you reached out to us. And I uh, really want to get some of your insights on the podcast. So, welcome. Absolutely. Glad to be here, Jason. Um, so we'll probably jump around quite a bit. Um, but, um, let's see, just to start us off with, if you, I don't, I don't know how much, uh, how many parties you go to or, uh, networking events, but, uh, when somebody asks you, Hey Chase, what do you do? What's your response? <laughs> yeah, I think it's, um, it depends on what party, obviously, you know, if we're at a sure. hemp or cannabis event, it's, it, 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 people usually know who kush.com is and I'm, I'm mm-hmm. always sporting the hat, but if it's a, you know, if it's a Halloween party where people don't really know what I do as far as uh, in the industry at all, you know, I usually enter with we're a wholesale trading platform for the hemp and cannabis industry, um, which leads to a bunch of questions. But I think that sums up what we do and in, 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 in the business as a whole. Um, mm-hmm. We we build a lot of the supply chains that that power the the hemp and cannabis space. And that's what we're known for. And that's what we're great at. OK, fantastic. Um, so. As far as how you got into the industry, I'm always curious because there's so many really interesting stories about how people got into into this industry. Uh, so love to explore a little bit of that with you. I I understand, and you can start wherever you want, but I understand that you had a uh, sort of a serendipitous uh, meeting with your current partner. Um, so I'd love to hear about that. So wherever you want to start, like how did you guys, how did you get into the hemp and cannabis industry? Sure. Yeah. We, uh, we actually met on the side of a river. We were both pretty heavily into the whitewater kayaking space. And, um, I moved up to Seattle specifically for the whitewater kayaking. Um, we ended up meeting on the side of the river and, and, and it was back in 2000, the end of 2013 and cannabis was just being legalized. Um, it just, it just passed the ballot measure. And so it was about to be legalized in 2014. And we decided we would love to do something around tourism and cannabis um, because we knew so many people were going to be traveling to Seattle, just being a tourist hotspot already, plus cannabis being legal. We thought that that would be a a fun business to start. So we hit the ground running and built a a pretty big tourism company up here and and what, what, what turned into a pretty big media company as well. And um, that scaled up quite quickly for us. And then we realized that we were one of the first companies to build a solid network of trusted, um, business businesses in the space. And so 
we ended up pivoting to be a, a marketplace for the the cannabis industry and then later expanded into hemp as the 2018 farm bill came online and uh it's just been a kind of a whirlwind from there i, I think most people in the space would agree that this is just it's it's chaos but it's uh it's, mm-hmm. it's a good thing it's feels like uh feels like how they describe 1999 in the in the <laughs> the, the tech world sure yeah, yeah. okay um so if you can recall, like what were some of the signs that made you or, or made you guys think like, Hey, this is something that we should get into. Cause you know, a lot of people that th- those moments have gone by and you know, there, there's always the like, man, I wish I would have gotten into that space, but you guys got in, it seems like at the right time. So what were the markers that made you think, okay, this is what we need to do now. Yeah. I, for me, I was really unhappy in my job at that time. So, um, I, I'd been an entrepreneurial since I was a kid. And so I always knew that I wanted to start my own business. And this seemed like a great opportunity and the timing was right because cannabis, you know, Washington and Colorado were the first two States to legalize cannabis. And so we were right on the frontier of recreational legalization, you know, opening up cannabis to the wider 21 plus market. So it was super obvious for us to, to, that there was opportunity here is just what did we want to do and, and where did it fit? And, tourism was a big part of that, 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 that the tourism aspect came from Mike, uh, my partner. Um, but we took that, that idea and just hit the ground running. Okay. Fantastic. Um, and so that's the, well, what's that company called? Is that Kush tourism? Yeah. Kush tourism. Yep. Tourism. Yep. Okay. Um, and I was looking on your website. It looks really neat. Like I, I would like to do it. Like it seems really <laughs> interesting. Um, what are some of the highlights and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the companies in a little bit, but just what's the highlight of taking one of these tours? What can you see? Sure. We don't actually operate them ourselves anymore. We have a, another partner in Seattle that operates them, but you know, mm-hmm. when we were doing all of them, it was a farm experience. You got to go see a cannabis farm. You got to go, um, meet a glass blower and see them make a glass pipe. You got to go see a processing facility where they made everything from extracts to edibles to, to pre-rolls, anything you could imagine. Um, and then obviously a retail experience so you can go, you know, find products and, and get solid guidance on what might best suit your needs. Um, mm-hmm. but that, you know, that was a tourism company and, and now we've morphed into a much bigger marketplace and right. it's, it's just been wild to watch this thing grow as well. And, uh, and, 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 go through that transition. Sure. Well, let's start talking about that. Uh, so we're talking, uh, basically at the end of October, beginning of November here. Um, and you, you have a lot of, uh, through your marketplace, you see a lot of insights, you see a lot of these handshakes going on or conversations, uh, in no particular order. What are you seeing right now in the market? Yeah. It's harvest season, you know, and, um, the 2018 farm bill got signed less than a year ago. And so what we're seeing is many farmers got into the business uh, and started growing hemp on, on a much larger scale than any years previous. And so we're seeing a pretty massive oversupply right now, um, which has created some interesting market dynamics. Prices have more than halved in the last three months, four months. And, uh, Farms are getting hungry to find buyers. Uh, a lot of people grew. I think you've seen this too, Jason. We were talking about it a little bit earlier. A lot of people grew hemp without necessarily having a go-to-market strategy. A, a lot of people consider us a, a, a viable alternative to find demand and, and be able to bid on that and and create some liquidity in the market. That's that's a big part of our mission. Mm-hmm. 
it really is a, an entrepreneurial community, right? Because there's so many people that jumped in it uh, and said, Hey, we're going to grow hemp no matter what and spent, you know, whatever it was, 15, 20, 30 K or whatnot. And just in the past few weeks, um, and you know, no, no judging, right? Like we, we've certainly made our share of mistakes, but just some folks in the past few weeks said like, Oh, we should probably figure out what to do with this stuff. Um, and that seems to have been, or there seems to be a real challenge for a lot of folks where one, you're saying there's a, there's a big oversupply driving prices down. Uh, but what are, what, what are some good options for folks if they find themselves in that space where they have, you know, an acre or two or however many, and they don't have a viable or a hundred uh, <laughs> or, or yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What, uh, what do you, what would you recommend to somebody like that? Yeah. I mean, there's a couple options, right? And, and it all depends on who you are, you know, how much, um, uh, you've put into it and, and kind of what your, your, your financial backing is, you know, many people ran this year as an experiment, so they didn't take too much financial risk on it, which is a good mm-hmm. thing. Um, mm-hmm. especially if they were doing any kind of forecasting based on prices a year ago. But that being said, you know, if you're, in the market right now, sitting on a lot of raw material, um, you, you only have a couple of options. One is to compete on price. Mm-hmm. There are orders out there. there. There are large orders out there and you can, you can earn them, especially on our platform, but you have to compete on price and quality. Uh, not everybody's willing to do that quite yet. Um, and, and, you know, price, price fluctuates a lot and, and mm-hmm. it's been, fluctuating downwards a lot lately. So, uh, we tried, you know, we saw this coming, we tried to give everybody the warning, not everybody appreciated our, our forecast on the market, but lo and behold, <laughs> it's, it's, it's come true. Um, yeah. and did you get some slack for that, for, for that article? When we, did you read the, you know what article I'm yeah. talking about? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, it started some pretty contentious, uh, comments on social media where everybody was, you know, saying, Oh, you're wrong. There's no way. But you know, (laughs) the numbers didn't lie at that point. Our, our platform spiked from, you know, 4,000 users to near 20,000 users in the last couple of months, last, you know, you know, since the beginning of the year. And that's just a, you know, pretty, pretty easy visual point on how much the, you know, how many people have entered the market. Uh, and a lot mm-hmm. of that is on the supply side. So, um, you know, we, we, we did see this coming and it's, and, and we've seen it happen in both the Washington and the Colorado and the, and the Oregon at Washington and Oregon specifically, we've seen it happen in the Washington and Oregon market where soon after legalization, there's this massive oversupply and prices drop pretty drastically until things stabilize. Um, mm-hmm. we're seeing that exact same thing happen in the hemp space. So it wasn't a huge surprise to us, but we did catch some flack for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I said, maybe that's what happens when you tell the truth. <laughs> Sometimes not, not everybody wants to hear it. <laughs> well, um, we, we, we felt like we had a, you know, kind of a duty to, mm-hmm. to present that information and that data that we were seeing just because, you know, if we didn't, that would lack integrity as well. You know, if mm-hmm. we expect something to happen, we want to give people as much time as they, as we can to prepare for it. So we, we'd like to be able to, you know, forecast further into the future right now, or, you know, we're on more on a quarterly semi-annual basis to be able to see at least have some leading indicators to what's going to happen. Um, right. but again, as, as if you're a farm right now and you're sitting on a lot of material, you've got a couple options. One is to compete on price and quality. The other is to store it, um, and, which can be costly and, and, 
consume a lot of space. Uh, another option is to toll it, you know, contact a processor like yourselves and, you know, pay a price per pound to get it turned into crude or distillate or isolate. Mm -hmm. Um, another option is to do splits, which are, you know, we consider pretty risky in the space, but it's commonplace. It's, it's common practice. I'm sure you've seen it yourself, Jason. Um, there's a lot of trust involved there. Right. Um, and then, you know, the, the last option is to, underbid the forward supply agreement market, which is where, Mm. you know, something that we've talked about in the past, Jason, where, you know, buyers post their production schedule and what, what their inputs volumes will be over time. Mm. And, and, and farms can come in and bid to try to fill those orders into, um, into the next year. Sure. Um, so you have a lot of stuff. So you, you mentioned a few things I want to dig into a little bit. Uh, one on the, the trust factor, um, and, and sort of maybe professionalism that there might be a little bit of carryover into that. Uh, you know, something that we see again, we're, we're not perfect. We, we make mistakes and we learn every day. Uh, but th- there is this sort of, I don't know, feeling of unprofessionalism sometimes, um, or, or maybe, uh, just sort of handshake agreements that go sour very quickly because of somebody saying like, Oh, well, you know, this will only go right. And we don't need to write it down. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's wild, do, huh? do, you, do you see that? I mean, oh, I think we see it at that? a scale that nobody else sees, to be honest with mm-hmm. you. Um, our, our brand promises to provide exceptional customer service with integrity. You know, we're going to tell the truth about what's happening. And so, uh, you know, we want people to know that. That being said, you know, not everybody in the industry is a, is a good player. Um, right. it, it seems like everybody has at least a couple of stories about, um, you know, a lack of integrity within the industry. And that's something that mm-hmm. we're aiming to, um, uh, have an impact on and, and create a trusted network right now, as you know, as we continue developing the platform, um, I don't think anybody can anticipate maybe the, the growth in users and, and transactions that we've seen. Um, but one of the things that we're working on right now is user credibility scores. Um, mm. and, and there's a lot of factors to those user credibility scores, but it's going to create more of a sense of trust um, within the network. And we're really looking forward to that. Cause we know, we know who the really solid users are. We know the people that are going to do what they say they're going to do because we've done a fair amount of business with them in the past where they have a history with us, but we don't present that to the rest of the market. And we're working to try to do that right now. Yeah. Gotcha. Very interesting. That reminds me a little bit of, um, how Yelp got started a few years ago, or I guess something that really helped them catch some steam is with the reviewers and and giving some sort of a credibility rating or badge. And for people that were reading these reviews that helped us to help them consider, okay, this is a reviewer that I can trust. This is somebody that I can, you know, read the reviews and go to that restaurant or shop or whatever and take their word for it. And Um, a lot of it has to do with, you know, history how many deals have they successfully completed on the platform that's a that's a big one to us you know there's a lot of credibility there would you rather Mm -hmm. do business with a seed vendor if you're a farm that's you know never made a sale on our platform would you rather do business with a seed vendor that's done you know 100 sales on our platform so um you know there's a outside of just reviews because we we didn't want to just depend on user reviews because um they're, you know, Yelp's not as accurate. You know, they negatively select, right? A lot of people yeah. leave reviews when they're upset and they don't leave positive <laughs> right. reviews when they're happy, you know? Sure. And so right. for us, we want to make it also about uh, usage and um, 
like uh, history um, mm-hmm. as well as you know what kind of what kind of business they are. You know, do you have your GMP certification? Um, uh, there's all kinds of things that can go into it, but we're going to get yeah. something up and running here soon. Right. Is it, is it fair to say, is that kind of like, tell me if this is totally wrong, but it, maybe like, uh, like eBay, right? Like they, you can take a look at a seller and see how many transactions they've had, maybe uh, how many positive reviews or negative reviews they've had. Um, it, it's, I hope that's not like a four letter word to you <laughs> comparing <laughs> eBay to your platform, but it, it, anything along those lines? Uh, yeah. Uh, along those lines, we're, we're trying to make it really robust and unique to this market. You know, eBay mm-hmm. sells everything. We sell right. hemp and cannabis products. Right. So we're trying to make it, um, very specific to this space and to this industry because there's a lot of nuance to it. I, I know that, um, you know, being in, being in the processing space yourself, it you know, it does matter to people what kind of machinery you have, what kind of equipment. Do you run ethanol? Do you run CO two? You know mm-hmm. how, how what are your traditional yields? Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a bunch of different questions to ask that can build a lot of credibility quickly. So. You know, one of the things that we've really focused on regarding that trust and professionalism is that we, we have, when we first started, we did a couple of deals where we just said like, oh, sure, we'll do it. And it was just a handshake agreement. And you know, from there on, we learned, fortunately, nothing wrong happened, but we just saw the, the expectations that somebody thought, well, this is going to happen, but that's not what we understood. And so now we just do a, we, we sign, have everybody sign paperwork, yep. try to keep it as simple as possible, but this is just, Hey, here are the expectations from our side. Uh, here is what you should expect. If you have any different expectation, write it down. And we just try to be really explicit about what's going to happen when somebody, when we make a, a transaction, um, with someone, uh, just because we, we, we don't want that you know somebody to be disappointed or or we we don't want to add to this sort of black eye to the to the community like Agreed. oh well yeah if you go to a processor you're gonna get screwed over so we, we don't want that you know, we want to to remove that or at least to help remove that over time and i'm uh, curious what you you've done there because you know another big push on you know not just the compliance and the legal side of the market for us um is standardizing these contracts, you know, what, mm-hmm. what should be in these contracts, what shouldn't be in these contracts, what, what may be considered predatory, what may be considered, um, you know, representing both sides equally. And sure. we've, we've put a lot of effort into standardizing many of these contracts and pushing them through our platform. So yeah, right. it's, it's, it's a wild place for us to be. Um, but there's a lot of opportunity to build again, credibility and trust and standardization in this industry. I, I, I commend you for having made that effort on your end as well. Yeah, we're, we're, we're trying. We're, we're learning. We're, we're, we're trying. It's a lot um, of work, though. <laughs> I understand it, what it takes. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it, it's fantastic. It's, it's going to be part of the industry. Absolutely. Um, so you mentioned a couple of things for that farmer that has uh, some material that they want to get rid of and they can, you know, total it or split it or make it into a finished product or something like that. Uh, maybe think it's stepping outside of that for a little bit and thinking a little bit higher level. Is there anything else that maybe just more general advice for folks to think about, okay, over the next six, 12 months or something like that, based on what you know now, what you've seen in the industry, is there something that we should be 
preparing for or considering to have a, a more likelihood of succeeding over the next year? Oh, absolutely. You know, there's so much volatility in this space. The farm bill was pretty broad, uh, specifically in the way that it defined THC as Delta 9 THC. The USDA regs uh, are, are that they just you know announced the, the proposed regs reference a lot of total THC in there. And so, Working through those compliance issues is something that everybody should be keeping uh, an eye on. We could we could go from uh, oversupply to a shortage really quickly, depending on what regs are rolled out. Um, mm-hmm. That being said, you know my number one advice to people that we work with, the businesses that are on our platform, um, is really think about your go to market strategy. What is your downstream demand? And how are you going to build it if you don't have it quite yet? Because if you're not thinking along those those lines, you're going to get to a point where you're sitting on a bunch of inventory um, or you've overbuilt, right? Uh, it's It just takes money to build an extraction facility. It takes a business to build a go-to-market strategy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's a lesson that I learned kind of the hard way on my first business, which was manufacturing some specialty equipment. I thought I had a great product and I did, I did have a, I did have a good product, but the market for that product wasn't as big as I hoped it would be. Mm. But what did I do? I overinvested in inventory and then ended up sitting on a lot of that inventory for a long time. Um, I think you're seeing a lot of that in the market right now, uh, specifically mm. on the hemp side of the marketplace. Yeah. And um, if, if I understand correctly, was that the gymnastics equipment company? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, you That's... did your research, Jason. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, so if you just to, to try to take a little bit of that example and extrapolate that to this industry, if you were to go back, right, so you were making some sort of a gymnastics equipment, you, you mentioned that you, th- you thought or maybe you hoped that the market was bigger than what it actually was. How would you do that again? Like, how would you go back and say, OK, like, let me re- rethink this and here are the markers that I'm going to look at to better consider if I should make zero or maybe only five products or 50? <laughs> I would have, wow, that's taken me back, man. That's been so long since (laughs) I've even thought about this, but, um, I would have focused more on partnerships earlier on. Um, and I think that's very applicable to this space. Um, long-term business relationships. I would have focused on those early on distribution channels. Um, on the inventory management side, I would have been more conservative and then, had a plan and a strategy to scale. And I think that that would have, you know, been really great because I did have to buy some equipment, you know, it, it mm-hmm. wasn't massive expenses, but whenever you're a broke college kid, it, it is sure. right. right. Um, so there is overhead that you've got to invest just to get up and running. But once I did that, you know, personally, I would have focused on the partnerships and then produced to match demand or expected demand more than just produce as much as I could. Does that make sense? Cause yeah. a lot of people, and, and I'm sure you've seen it in this space, they're just producing as much as they can with the idea that they'll find the demand later on. And that's a risky, we'll it out that's later. a risky business to play because your, your price can be cut in half quickly, um, depending mm-hmm. on regs, depending on 
the market uh, uh, volatility and the market prices that we're seeing, uh, depending on a number of factors. Um, and there's a lot of there's a lot of hanging there's a lot of hang fire right now. Um, right. So I would say it's far from stable. Yeah, you mentioned partnerships, and uh, I don't think this is giving away any secrets because we we've seen some <laughs> some similar situations before. But when we started, we considered uh, whether we should go into farming hemp or just extracting or maybe selling it. Like we considered all the different options, and we were fortunate enough to partner with another company that they focus on that go to market and Great. you know they deal with the customers they white label uh, they help create new products or do market research and so we can focus on just making the best product so that we don't have to focus on everything i think you um, just said uh, like a one of my favorite words is focus and yeah. uh, you've seen it i'm sure where People are going full vertical integration. They want to grow. Right. They want to process. They want to manufacture products. They want to open a retail store. They want mm -hmm. to uh, do direct to consumer commerce where you and I both know, you know, you can buy a white label good and put a label on it and sell direct to consumer without investing in a farm. Right. That's right. so far upstream from that. Um, yeah. But you have a lot of people trying to do everything. And there's really not that many people trying to do one or two things. Great. Um, mm -hmm. but if you, if you end up doing everything, you're even, no matter how much money you have, most of the time you're going to do everything at a mediocre level and somebody else mm -hmm. is going to come in and focus and do it better at one of the levels and outcompete you. So it's, yeah. it's, it's interesting to watch. And yeah, that's, but, that is a big part of the advice I give people is focus on doing something great and exceptional. But, but that's not as exciting as doing everything, right? Like as t doing the farm and doing the extraction and the retail and, and look at what somebody else is making and, you know, look at that company or look at that guy. You know, I think there, there is, is a little bit of that, maybe FOMO or, or that, I don't know, envy or, or just, I wish that I could be that guy or that, that gal. You <laughs> or are, know? You in, are you in business to release a press release or are you in business to build a great company? You know, and that's, Ooh, that's, that's what I would ask people. One. Cause that's there's a, a lot one. of great press releases out there, but there's a lot of not so great companies behind <laughs> many of those. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, so let's see with the, um, you guys have an event coming up. Um, what is it beginning of next year? Uh, yeah, January. I think it's the end of January next year. It's going to yeah. be huge. We're so excited about it. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. It's the Texas hemp convention. It's going to be in Dallas. And one of the things that we saw in the industry is when a new state legalizes or whenever a new region like Texas, Texas is more of a region than it is a state in our minds because it's so massive. Mm -hmm. When a new state legalizes and passes regs to implement you know, hint, for example, in Texas, there's this excitement around that space where everybody's just trying to figure out what they're going to do. There's so many people that were like me at the starting start of the cannabis industry in Washington that just want to learn what it would even take to get into the space. Um, our business is a network effect based business. And the more people that we can bring together, the more value we can create for that community. And mm. this event is going to be a big part of that down in Dallas, you know, we've, we're almost sold out for it already. And it's the biggest okay. trade show we've ever produced. And, and we do, we do a, a fair number of trade shows and we have in the past, mm -hmm. we produced the Oregon hemp convention up in Portland as well. Um, 
but to bring out the full farming community out of out of Texas and the surrounding states is really exciting. And it's really exciting to see so many people from around the country just flying out to come to our event. So right. it's uh it's been wild to be a part of a part of this event. It's far exceeded our expectations already. And uh we're expecting, you know, eight to ten to to maybe fifteen thousand people there uh over the the course of the the three days that we're hosting it. Fantastic. Well, sounds like we need to get our tickets soon then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, we can't out. wait to see you guys out there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's see, just to start wrapping up, is there anything that you want to leave listeners with? Like, is there, do you have a final message or an ask or, or maybe a request or something for people to think about uh, that are in this space or maybe considering getting into the space? Gosh, that's a great question. I, you know, Ask questions and don't assume you know everything. Um, find other people doing something similar and have a conversation with them. This this space, as, as much proprietary information as there is out there, there's a lot of great entrepreneurs that are willing to help. And everybody's a startup right now. So it's like the perfect time to make those relationships and, and, and mm-hmm. build those partnerships, build those that community uh, and, and, and ask the questions that you're not so confident in that you have the answer and mm-hmm. try to assume you don't know anything before you assume, you know, something. And I think you'll go a lot further in the space. So be humble. That would be my biggest advice. Be humble and be patient and build a great company. Fantastic. That's a good, good place to wrap up. So if uh, Chase, if somebody wants to contact you or learn more about you, where can they go? Uh, yeah, kush.com. We have a great blog, uh, for people that are looking to get into the space. We produce a ton of content, uh, geared right around growing, processing, extracting, creating finished goods and anything you can think of. We've, we've got forecast things on there. So definitely look at our blog. Uh, people can always get in contact with us by registering on the platform or by, uh, reaching out our contact information's all over the place. So, um, if you, if you don't contact us, we might end up contacting you in the near future. So excited <laughs> to work with everybody in this industry. It's, it's been a, uh, amazing, uh, space to be a part of, and we can't wait to see what 2020 brings. Fantastic. Awesome, Chase. Well, thank you so much for your time. I learned quite a bit and I hope our listeners will as well. So uh, thanks for your time and have an awesome rest of your day. Absolutely, Jason. You too. I appreciate your time. Hey guys, before you go, this is Jason from Spectrum Labs. Please be sure to visit us on the web at www.thespectrumlabs.com for show notes and links discussed in the podcast. Also, remember to click the subscribe button wherever you may be listening so you get notified when our next episode comes out. Tune in next episode and have a wonderful day.